Down in Front Podcast, the official podcast of downinfrontpodcast.com. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks so much for joining. If this is your first episode hanging out with us, we want to say appreciate it. Thanks so much for finding us. Check out more of our work at downinfrontpodcast.com. We all review a bunch of movies, TV shows, all while having our favorite alcoholic beverages or just a regular drink. We don't discriminate. While reviewing tonight, we are going to be talking about Shazam, one of the newest films for the DC Expanded, Extended Universe. Is it Expanded, Extended? What's their name? Do we know? DCEU. DCEU, so Extended Universe. Extended, yeah. Or it could be expanded. wrong, that's so works. Or a bunch of movies with DC characters in them. DC Elastic Universe, got it. Okay. <laughs> uh, Elastic Man is a DC character. So. I mean, it's possible. Uh, before we get into the review, before we start talking about all the spoilers, we will talk about a bit of a warning. We have a bit of a roundtable. So we talk about what else we've been watching uh, and what we currently are sipping on tonight. And so as always, I'm going to toss it over to one of my best friends. This guy's great. The Mouth of the South. Mr. Brylan. Brylan, what's going on, man? What you sipping on tonight and what else have you been watching? Woo! Game of Thrones. Oh, it's crazy, isn't it? Um, can't wait till Sunday. But uh, what I'm watching, or uh, what I'm drinking right now, is uh, uh, I was rushing on home, so I got myself some Liche Oolong Tea from Gongcha, which is a uh, bubble tea joint that just opened up near where I work. Uh, it's good. It's cool. It's refreshing. It's going to keep me awake as well, so I can play Mortal Kombat after we record this. Uh, what Does a bit that come out tonight? It came out today. Mm, nice. I can't wait to play it. Everybody's saying it's amazing. Um, what I've been watching recently, since we were going to talk about a silly, corny uh, superhero, I decided to check out the second season of a silly, corny superhero show, The Tick, on Amazon Prime. Um, I uh, I really dug this uh, second season. I think a, l- a bit more than. The first season, it feels like they've kind of found their niche and are hitting their stride with their storytelling and their characters. And uh, they're doing everything right to just help you uh, make sure that you start to care about, um, like, The Tick and Arthur and Dot and Overkill uh, a lot more. And I really like how the story that they built around um, this season as well. Um it's really cool. They always have some really great inside jokes. What's really nice about this is it's still kind of overseen by Ben Edlund, the creator of The Tick. Um, but they, but in this series, they like to kind of add this extra dark approach to it where they are always questioning like Arthur's mental health and like what is The Tick as well, which sometimes leads to dark paths and uh it's really interesting to see how they actually explore that um but 
I love that they continue like running jokes. So they even changed the Tick's costume this season at the beginning, Ooh. and it was just like randomly like Arthur finding pieces of the old costume around the <laughs> apartment, and the Tick was like, "Oh, you found one!" Great, he just flushes it down the toilet. Uh, so they do a lot of great, really cool visual humor. Uh, but um, I would say like. Big shout out to John John Hodgman who joined the cast this season. Uh, he actually has a really cool character in this season as well. Nice. I really loved the first season a lot. Uh, I don't know. It was like some reason whether it's the timing, but I just kind of fell off the second season. I was kind of bummed, but uh, I'm probably see if I can try to kind of catch back up on it, especially if it's on Amazon Prime. You can kind of download that offline. So um, definitely looking to actually uh, pick back up on that. Nice. Well, I mean, it's always great to have you on. Uh, it's great to see Thank your face. You. Although we tend to disagree, I still think that we have respect for each other. Would you say? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. And I'm never going to say that you're wrong. Like, you won't say that I'm wrong. It's just when I say that you're wrong, it just means that we have different of opinions, right? Yeah. I just disrespect your Arizona iced tea flavor choice. That's all. No, you don't. Oh, no. Oh, I, <laughs> I think we drink the same one. Yeah, no, I was like, wait, now you get now you getting personal. I'm like, wait, I, that's not that's not real at all. That's okay. Green tea is where it's at. It's like green Absolutely. tea, and then green I like tea, then the southern yeah. iced tea. Yeah, that's ex- what are you. And no, then you the, had it wrong. It's and then the Palmer. sweet tea. I green tea. Mm. No, the green tea, and then the southern. It's mm. green and, and then the honor Palmer. Nah, I like the strawberry. After that, we yeah, can de- we can, stuff, de- we can deviate after, but I think top two, me, me, Briley, we're on the same page. But yeah. this other beautiful voice that you just heard, <laughs> Mr. Sean, uh, I don't know if you have a nickname yet, but I'll figure it out. But one of the creators and hosts of the Would It Fly podcast, what's going on, man? We have not seen you on our show in a long time, so we're curious to see what has been your favorite movie since the last episode you've been on, I'll let you do the math, along with what you've been drinking and what else have you been watching? Uh, I'll have to give some thought into what my favorite movie's been uh, since the last time I was on, because I want to say it's probably, I don't know, roughly four to six months, I guess, since the last time. I can't even remember what movie it was. I think that Happy Time Murders. Yeah, that's, I think oh, that's the most recent one. <laughs> Been a while. I'm glad I don't remember that movie. <laughs> for, sh- for sure. Uh, but as of what I'm drinking, or what I was, because I completely drank it during prep for this, uh, I was drinking a Yingling. Uh, as for watching, most recently I started binge-watching a show uh, that Andrew Abbott had uh, introduced me to on Hulu called Letterkenny. And it's a uh, ca- Canadian comedy about a hick town called Letterkenny. And it's a really situational comedy, but there is a lot of intelligence behind the jokes. You don't necessarily have to be smart to get it, but you can tell that a lot of forethought has been put into it in order to create it. And it's just extremely entertaining. Um, The first season kind of slow but all the rest of the seasons i've already started watching some of the later seasons twice oh nice 
Uh, that's a good. That's a good one. Okay, so Letterkenny that we have here on Hulu. Uh, we'll we'll let you think about the favorite movie. We will come back later before a spoiler section, so you're not off the hook. Just All yet. right. Not a problem. And my name is Warren. I will be your host this evening. I'm currently sipping on the old Jameson and ginger ale. Um, but I would say uh, I should have gotten Sierra Mist, but it's okay. Uh, I think I like that a little bit better than a ginger ale. But ginger ale helps me grow stronger, right? That's, that's, uh, a, that's, yeah. that's a fact. Oh, yeah, I mean, Sierra Mist is a like Sprite mixed with ginger ale, sort of. No, it's not. <laughs> you're making you're making that up, Brian. <laughs> I mean, the the taste of it. No, it's just like a Seven Up. I mean, Sierra Mist tastes like a flat Seven Up to me. Oh. Maybe I'm. Maybe uh, my taste buds are wrong. I don't, I, don't know if, I, I don't know if you've had a Sierra Mist, Brian. But, but anyway, it, if you should drink ginger ale, drink Canada Dry. Which I did. Which I, which I did. Nice. Uh, and so that's what I'm sipping on for tonight. Uh, as far as what I've been watching, um, I actually watched this a little bit ago. I've still been watching some couple of the smaller shows. Um, uh, one thing I do want to kind of mention here in a second is that I did talk about Flowers. And so this show is on Netflix right now. Flowers uh, stars Olivia Coleman, And I talked about it looks like a weird version of Dominic West. Uh, but it's not him at all. <laughs> um, this show is actually pretty pretty amazing i think but it's also extremely dark um it started as a dark comedy and it started between 2016 the creator his name is will sharp and he actually stars in the show as arguably one of the most offensive racial characters ever i think uh and after that season two just becomes very very dark more focused on you know mental illness and awareness and uh living with a disease and it almost as if the second season sort of just removed all the humor that was injected in the first season, and it just kind of lets you sit with what else kind of show do you have. But I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. I, I, I hesitated to like recommend because it was it went down to such a dark path, but I think it's, it's necessary. And I think some of the things that we'll talk about today for this movie is, is necessary for people to watch it because you just don't tend to see – these sort of mature things being shown in these uh, superhero movies. So I definitely would kind of give you up to that. So that's Flowers. That's currently on Netflix right now. Um, The other movie I checked out on Netflix also was called The Unicorn Store. Have you guys seen this movie, heard about this movie? Uh, I've heard of it. it. Yeah, it's uh, Brie Larson's directorial debut and and Samuel L. Jackson's in it. Yes. And uh, it was very apt of them to release it at the same time as Captain Marvel to get to ride that train in to get some notoriety. Pretty smart. And it looks like they might have filmed it in between takes of Captain Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> they probably did. They. I mean, I'm not surprised. Uh, yeah. So it, it looks like off- a very small film. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely is, you know, and obviously kind of staying away from spoilers. It's a woman who's kind of older and still live with her parents and is kind of stunted but still wants to be creative. And all of a sudden she does everything she can to for this guy, this person who's Samuel Jackson, who says that, hey, you actually got a unicorn and it's coming. You have to make sure that you you get physically, emotionally and prepared for this unicorn to build it a stable and all this other stuff that she has to happen and kind of get a job to be more – um, responsible to take care of this unicorn and what happens sort of leading up to that and the actually the fallout after that um so i'm curious to get more other people's opinion i was definitely not a fan um of this movie i felt like it was just way too much focus on brie 
like Larsa's character, which is weird because she directed it. So I was just like, did you just make this for yourself? It, I wasn't I wasn't too much of a fan, but I do like her character. I like I mean I like her as a character. I like her as an actress. Excuse me, not co- quite in this actual movie, but check it out. Uh, that is the Unicorn Store that is currently on Netflix. So if you do watch that, let us know what you think. And so we'll transition to our favorite section as well. We're going to be dedicating and sending us sips to a bunch of these loved ones and people that we want to dedicate and says thank you to you. And so as I raise my glass, Brylin, who are you dedicating your sip to tonight? Uh, I want to dedicate my sip out to Boston sports and Boston sports fans in general. It's playoff season for the NBA and the NHL right now. Uh, The Celtics just swept the Pacers, which is awesome, on to the next round. Uh, and the Bruins just clinched a seven-game heart uh, heart attack-inducing uh, series against the um, hated Maple Leafs. So they're on to the next round as well. Thank you, Boston sports teams, for staying to be awesome. But also love that Boston sports fans, They, uh, I love how – carefree they are about the shenanigans of their Boston sports stars or the way they handle sports in general. Like, I mean, we had the Boston Marathon recently, but also, and a lot of people see, I mean, like, great moment for the city to come together, just with the history behind it and everything. But also, we know, like, a lot of people are going to run the marathon as a way to see how many beers they can drink as they go along the marathon as well. Um, But also, like, Gronk retired, and one of the last things he does is use the Lombardi Trophy as a baseball bat and has a baseball dent it. So, and people cheer for that. And so, we will have a dent on one of the six ball trophies that are here. And uh, Bob Kraft, you know, is doing his thing too. And, you know, Boston sports fans take it in stride. It's like, this is our team. He brought us six uh, Lombardi trophies. So, you know what? Maybe, maybe, maybe you earned that, you know? <laughs> oh, oh, really? He earned that, Brian? I wouldn't go hey. there, bro. Hey. I feel like that was sending more than just a set. <laughs> <laughs> I like your style. Um, so yeah, so to all that, you know, I definitely would send a sip to just the Boston yeah. Celtics of everything that Brian just said. Uh, Sean, who are you dedicating your sip to? Uh... I'm going to be Gree and not send a sip to end. No. Um, wow. <laughs> I don't know. Wow. Since my entire recent uh, life has been revolving around moving and just doing a lot of nothing other than work, uh, I'm going to have to, even though she doesn't drink alcohol, send a sip to my wife, Anna, uh, for more or less putting up with all my shit. Uh, Great. But yeah, because, I mean, for the past, I'd say, month and a half, two months, I've had no life outside of home. So, just, yeah, I mean. That's a good for one. For someone putting up with all my stuff. Yeah. yeah. Good stuff. Well, shout out to you, awesome. Anna. Uh, my sip is going to go to a few different people. Uh, I went on a hilariously nerdy corny but it still was enjoyable sort of ghost tour in boston and the name of our uh host or sort of tour guide was jeremiah poop and this guy was hilarious uh and so if everybody know me and abbott host of the fear bonus podcast he also came with me along with emma 
uh, and my mom, and me and Abbott have now know that we will be uh, going on a bit of a scavenger hunt for some of these things that he's talking about. Uh, particularly, we're going to be stealing a, a book, uh, a Facebook, that's made out of a human flesh. So that's one of the things that's going to be on our list. So I was very, very, very excited about that. Um, the other one I want to send a huge shout-out and a huge tip to was uh, – Chuck Hall and uh, Rue Diamond, which is the parents of Emma, Emma's parents. So thanks so much for hosting us for Easter. That was great. They cooked a marvelous meal and just hung out. We were out there. It felt like like maybe eight or nine hours. It was amazing. So time's kind of passed awesome. by. And, and I drank a lot of wine, so it was perfect. Um, so, I mean, what what more do you got? You know, he has risen to drink more wine. It was great. And uh, last but not least, a, a gigantic chug to my mom, who also does not drink, for coming up, kind of enjoying, spending some time with us in Boston. Uh, but most importantly, cooking me four sweet potato pies. And if anybody knows me, this guy loves some sugar. And <laughs> I love sweet potato pie. I've already blasted through a pie and a half already, and she made them wow. on Saturday. So, yeah, that's not going to last throughout this week, so I'm excited for that. Uh, but I definitely need to make sure I get to the gym because uh, that pie is going to go right to my hips. So uh, shout-out to everybody. Thanks so much, Ma. I appreciate it, and I'm excited to see you in sometime in the next couple months. So thanks. Where, where's our pie, Warren? Mm, you were breaking up. What would you say? Where's our pie, Warren? <laughs> <laughs> it's actually in the freezer. So whenever you come over to uh, the, our residence, we, you, we will have some pie. CJ got some pie, oh. so you got some oh. pie. I got a, I got a piece I got a piece of pie with your name on it. Awesome. Yeah, for Can't sure. Can't wait. I love sweet potato pie. Yeah. And with that, we are going to get into our spoiler section, but before we do that, I'm tossing it back over to Sean and saying, "Sean, what has been your favorite movie since your last review with the Down in Front podcast?" So, I actively while we were speaking did go back and it turns out the most recent episode I was on was back in November when we did Overlord. Oh, so, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so between the time of Overlord and the time now of Shazam, I'd have to say favorite movie, and I think a lot of people probably agree, uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Fair. Yeah. That's a good call. I saw that movie a bunch. Have you guys seen the extended weird universe one with the unedited clips and the storyboards and stuff? Yes, I love it. Yeah. I heard about it, but I haven't. It's really cool. Yeah. yeah, that's a lot of fun. I like that. I even like the, the subtle changes they made in the story. So I thought it was actually pretty cool. Yeah. So we are approaching our spoilers section. So we are going to get into everything and anything about Shazam. If you have not seen this movie, you want to say you may want to pause at this moment for right now. Take a break. Come back, and we will see you soon for full spoiler edition of Shazam. <laughs> back and we are the down to front podcast i have brylan with us i have sean my name is warren and we are in our spoiler section for shazam shazam <laughs> written by hayden or henry gaden uh weird story also by him and the director by david sandberg um so currently in theaters as of right now uh it was actually a little bit strange because last weekend there was like not a lot of large or releases, and I wonder if that was on purpose. Have you guys taken a look at what was in theaters right now? Um, yeah, I think um, 
I think Missing Link was like the only big name thing that got released last week. No, that was, or got released that along with Shazam. Oh, yeah. okay. So yeah, like, um, last week the only thing was oh, the yeah. first of Lalo. Oh yeah, Lono. Penguins came out. Yeah, it was true. Yeah, was, and I think I think that was on purpose because yeah. I mean being sandwiched between Shazam and Endgame would just like kill any momentum a movie would have. Yeah, it was kind of weird because Link, uh, Shazam, and Hellboy all came out the same weekend, and then after that it was Penguins and the Curse of La La Rona. Uh, but that was about it. I think Little also <laughs> came out. I can't pronounce that shit. Little know, also came. <laughs> Little I'm also came out the week before. That movie. Yeah, I can yeah. pronounce it if I if I have a couple of cocktails. In any Why? case. We'll, we'll talk about a couple different sections. So as we usually, we like to break this down into a couple of topics or themes. We'll talk about the characters in the story, uh, and then we're going to talk about the themes in comparison to the comics before we give our conclusion and our kind of final thoughts. And then we'll talk about what we're reviewing next week and some sign-offs. So as always, I'm going to toss it over to Brylin. Brylin, start us off by ter- talking about the characters and stories of Shazam. Yeah, uh, just to give uh, my quick overall impressions about this uh, movie, um, I really loved that, I mean, it's a DC movie that's showing a lot of heart and actually a very fun ride, and also just the super action-based roller coaster that comic book movies should be, that they actually seemed like they were enjoying themselves throughout this movie. However... The beginning of this movie is dark as fuck, and it yeah. shouldn't be in this movie at all. My God, like I I know, um, oh, what's his name, Zack Snyder? Um, he's left that indelible mark on starting this uh, universe and helping Warner Brothers start this universe. And I know he likes to actually explore this whole thing about. Um, abusive fathers and things like that uh it it shows up in a lot of his movies and i'm just it it makes me just more curious than anything like the choices behind creating this movie was it something like in order to keep it in theme with the rest of the dc universe we need to have this dark element to it and i mean it, it i understand like the desire to feel like, hey, we need to actually give the origin story of our uh, bad guy in here as well. But it definitely is very jarring to go from uh, this very dark, sinister um, opening scene of this car wreck with this little kid being abused by not only his dad, but his brother as well. Yeah. And then there's this huge car wreck that just changes their lives forever into Billy Batson fun rebel teenage kid uh that's on the streets that has some dark elements to his story but also he's also very enjoyable to watch too so um definitely a little bit of a jolt (laughs) going into this movie at the very beginning um but i would say that um for the most part i thought the kid that played billy batson was did a very solid job um there were parts where i felt like maybe he is just not that strong of an actor like he was kind of felt felt like sometimes he's reading lines but we also see like once he gets the shazam powers uh zach levi just elevates 
the fun and the excitement and the energy in this movie uh, exceptionally well. Um, Zach Levi, I, I never saw Chuck, but I always heard it was great. Uh, I did like what he did in Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, and that was like kind of like my first experience with uh, Zach Levi. And we can see like what makes him a really cool actor is like he has this kind of uh, nonchalant way of actually approaching the man-child uh, like concept that it's not like oh i'm gonna be super goofy all the time there is that goofiness but also there's a little cleverness to them too which and just like it sets up like some really funny set pieces that i really like in the movie like i love that shazam is a superhero that is like i gotta figure out what my powers are and then he's gonna do like just the goofiest ass things to like try to figure out what are all of his different powers whether it's like trying to jump off a skate ramp or um try to leap a tall building and actually only going about halfway and running into an office in there uh and just like charging people's phones while he walks by i mean just fantastic stuff like that um and also like i mean just like he he's able to sell some silly moments really well like uh when he first runs into uh i think i mean yeah his first time he runs into mark strong in the uh in the mall in the shopping mall and he just like throws the statue of batman at him he's like batman go get him i mean i was just laughing my ass off at that but i mean he definitely is able to balance it with like when it comes to the superhero's journey of hey yeah being a superhero is fun but also there's the responsibility of tackling the evil that actually threatens the world that he actually balances that character and i actually found zach levi to uh be uh, very realistic at times too because he's just really good at being able to turn the silliness on and off as he went through this movie yeah i mean even going off of some of the points that you just mentioned brylan like i don't know why the beginning of that film this film was even in there um yeah I understand that they wanted to make, I guess, a bit of this uh, villain origin with Mark Strong's character, Dr. Savannah, uh, and how he basically just became obsessed. I get that they needed to show that. I just don't know why they needed to kind of go in detail of, like, the abusiveness and how he was raised to the point where should we feel bad? Should we feel sorry? Like, because this character was kind of... um, sort of emotionally and probably physically abused, could be, you know. Um, Mm. Is that okay for him to turn evil and have this obsession with his power? Uh, I I felt like it was a bit misplaced, especially being at the beginning, because I thought that was Billy Batson at the beginning. I was like, oh, that's weird, but then it wasn't. We got the reveal a little bit later on. So I think it was kind of a little bit strange just to see that, you know, unless Dr. Savannah later on in the series, because we know that he's going to come back later, unless he turns to be a good guy or something, like, it it felt a little strange opening the movie like that, and I agree. Um, Especially with the last movie, or the last DC film that we had before this, is that Aquaman, right? Aquaman, yeah. Yeah. Um, That was actually a lot lighter than I thought it was. I I didn't think that was actually as dark and brooding as it easily could have been. So I'm glad they're kind of going. Well, it opens with a love story. Yeah, exactly. Which is nice. Although Nicole Kidman. Anyways, um, (laughs) I thought that was actually kind of great. And so I. I don't know why they had to feel that they needed to start in a lot of the darker components and moments of this film. I. 
it, it kind of definitely felt out of place. Uh, but I at least, you know, I liked some of these sort of different takes that they were trying. I thought that was kind of pretty cool. Uh, but I, I definitely kind of echo everything you said about Zach Levi. I, I thoroughly enjoyed him. I never seen him in anything except Mrs. Maisel in the second season. And so seeing him in here was actually a lot of fun. It was kind of refreshing. Uh, it did seem like although he was playing a character we have seen on screen before, um, it still was, it felt different enough that I'm like, okay, he's not quite like a Captain America. No, he's not quite like a, definitely he's not like a Superman. So no, but definitely seems like it may be like a comp- compilation of some of these superheroes or at least cartoon superheroes that he is bringing on screen. So I'm, I'm glad he took a different approach to show us who Shazam is. Yeah. Like that's one thing that I also, I mean, just love about the Shazam character is like the best way I could explain Shazam to someone is just giving a nerdy video game reference. He reminds me of the character Dan in the street fighter series that he is basically lampooning every other, all the other fighters and he's there for laughs and jokes, but he still can be a superhero if he needs to be. I love that character. That character was so great. Oh, man. That was was definitely the first, uh, my first sort of experience to a troll character in the video game. That was awesome. Yeah. What else you got? Uh, So, yeah. So, um, there's there's a lot of cast in this movie. So, I I was going to just touch base on some of the things. So, like, I think the whole Foster family, like the young cast, is great they all are playing their uh roles really well uh but i wanted to give a shout out to uh freddie who's played by um jack dylan grazer apparently this was eddie in the it movie um and i thought he was awesome he's probably my favorite character in this movie because i the way he plays freddie as not only being a kid that has to deal with uh, being crippled and having limited mobility, but also just being a social outcast. I, I knew a lot of kids like this that actually kind of had these similar behaviors where he's looking around and he kind of has that like cringe face that he can't really help. It's just how his face looks and people are just instantly judging him. And I was like, Oh, I've been there before. I know what that's like. And just like people are just automatically just like looking down at him because he has this visual epitome of a loser. But we find Freddie is like super comic book nerd and um, actually has a really cool relationship with Billy and Shazam that I find that he's able to play really well off of them and they. Uh, and their relationship feels real because of that. And I think for the most part, that is because of how well Freddy is played in this movie. Yeah. Um, not sure. I, I thoroughly enjoy, I like the actor, Jack Dylan Grazer. I wasn't sure uh, if I wanted, I, I wasn't sure if it was either he was on screen too much or there were just other things that they just didn't want to kind of focus on. Uh, what I mean by that is, he just got a lot more screen time than any, anybody else, any of the children. Um, and it felt as though, I don't know why that's the case, when all the children should have been sort of more focused. And except, Because I think that goes back, I, I think we'll talk about this a little bit later, it goes back yeah. to the comics. So I, I guess I'm confused as to why there was so much more focus on 
um, Freddie Freeman and less on all the other sort of foster children there. And if it has anything to do with, well, Jack Dylan Grazer is now, you know, known for it and other stuff too. So he's going to be a little bit more popular and a little have more of a face character. So he's going to be highlighted more so, almost as if he's like the leader of the sexual kids. Um, so I thought that was a little strange. I mean, I don't know if it's, uh, you know, I'm just commenting on that to see why it felt like he was everywhere, even to the point where it made it to be a plot point in the movie that Dr. Savannah tracked down Shazam because of Freddie Freeman always being around. Um, and maybe there was like something like I can be like your chair guy. I know that that funny thing that we got from sort of Spider-Man yeah. movie. And like maybe they were kind of go with that route and kind of uh, I like like the trials and the things that you were talking about there. But I just don't sure. I'm just not sure. Besides the fact that he was already famous from it, why he was focused more so? It felt like he was focused. Jack Dylan Grazer was focused more so than Asher Angel, who actually was turned with Shazam. It felt like it was like Shazam, Freddie Freeman, then Billy Batson was like the third yeah. person to be focused. And I'm like, what? What? That doesn't make any sense to me at all. But you know, that's how I at least felt like when watching the movie. Yeah, and uh, I think for the most part, the reason why they did that was uh, Freddie is the one in the foster family that gets Billy to open up, and he pushes Billy all the time until that either Billy's sick of him or Billy's like, fine, I'll go ahead and do this family thing. We'll try it out. So I think think that's the main reason why Freddie has such a key part in this movie. And plus, also, being the kid that has limited mobility, he's looking at superheroes all the time and being like, that's that's what I wish I could be. And ultimately, when we get to the end of the story, he actually gets that chance. Yeah. You can see how that excitement of actually finally being able to do something like flying, how amazing it is for him. Yeah, I- yeah, I mean, I can definitely kind of agree with that. I, I guess the thing that I'd like to see like a bit more is the more of the ensemble cast together. Uh, but again, opening movie, obviously it's an origin story, so I'm not trying not to nitpick too much. It just felt weird that they had so much focus on him, and I can only tell, is it because he was already famous from something, another uh, movie that came out before this? Right. Yeah. Yeah, the other the other foster kid I'll mention really quickly. I think she's the one that plays the like the next prominent role is Darla, um, played by Faith uh, Faith Herman. Uh, I I found her to be adorable. I mean, she was just a cute little precocious kid, and uh, I like that she was the only other person that they would trust with this Shazam secret when it came to like just hiding Billy's secret. Uh, and I, I like that scene there where, uh, when they finally find out that he is Shazam, Darla's just like, I didn't say anything. I didn't write it out. <laughs> it was just like a great little character moment. She has like these cool little fun character moments throughout. And even as good as I thought the kid actor um, the actress that plays Shazam version of Darla, uh, Megan Good, uh, she was awesome at actually imitating what it is. What would happen if a five-year-old became like a giant superhero? I thought she did an awesome job with that. That was a weird moment. It was very kinda, weird because they kind of <laughs> sexualize a five-year-old in a grown-up body, and I was like, "What? I don't." There wasn't anything sexualized about it. 
I mean, she wore an outfit. That's it. All right. What do you well, want? Like, wear, wear a cardboard box or something? Yes, Brylin. <laughs> wear a cardboard box. Megan All Good, right. put a cardboard box on. Are you uh, Arya Stark's internet dad? <laughs> <laughs> put a pop... Put up spam blockers out to everywhere. Yeah, no, I thought it was that, that kind of threw that that entire sequence threw me off. Well, well I know we'll get yeah. into we'll we'll get into that later. I don't want to get into it too much. Um, but the other thing, I'm actually looking at the cast list, and I'm kind of bummed that they didn't keep with the alliteration. So we got from the Foster kids, we got Billy Batson, Freddie Freeman, Darla Dudley, right, and we have Pedro Pena, right. But then we have the other two foster children, that's Mary Bromfield and Eugene Choi. And I'm like, y'all couldn't figure out what's go- what's up with that? Like, keep the alliteration going. Why did you deviate from these two characters who, not coincidentally, was not very much in the movie at all? Especially Eugene right. Choi wasn't really in the movie at all. And if he was, he was being pretty stereotypical. Um, so I thought that was – I think that's a little strange just from looking at the cast list of like why would they – kind of deviate from that and i'm wondering if that's something from the comics too so in your mind an asian kid shouldn't be named eugene Choi. he should be named like charlie chan no i'm saying the asian kid shouldn't like at least should have a better name and not be the one that's the computer hacker who knows all the other shit and smart yeah that's what i'm saying the the other kid who's known to be big in fat it, they also kind of focus on that. Like, if we want to talk about that, we can get into that right now. But that's what I'm saying. Like, at least change his name. Eugene is fine. But you can make a last name start with an E. I, I don't know. Even Mary Bromfield? We can make her last name start with an M. Why would they deviate from the um, alliteration there? It just confuses me. Uh, not all comic book characters get the alliteration name. Clearly. But, I mean, yeah, that is the Stan Lee uh, school of naming comic book characters. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, uh, anything else? Yeah, so I did want to mention um, Jaiman Hansu. Uh, I thought he was actually really good as the wizard, but I wish he had more time. I think, like, if we had, like, one or two more scenes with Jaiman Hansu, um, we kind of kind of probably establish the whole mythos of Shazam a bit better uh, and kind of like bought into more of the Shazam um, powers at the end, I think. Well, I mean, this movie is no exception that pretty much most movies that you find him in, you want him to have a bigger role. He plays so many yeah. parts in so many large movies that should be expanded on because he's a great actor, but yeah, it's just such small roles. Yeah, I'd love to see a movie where Jamin Huntsu is the lead because he is a compelling actor. Yeah, I mean, and it's funny because we, we joked and we talked about him now the last uh, uh, definitely within the last maybe four or five reviews, but he was in Captain Marvel uh, and then he was also in uh, Serenity. Oh, oh God! <laughs> yeah. His character was problematic. That. <laughs> yeah, so it's kind of, it's kind of a bummer that he's put in this movie that gives him the ability. He's this is a fantastical world, right? He can do whatever he wants, 
he now has the ability to do all these kind of crazy fun things to really get the audience buy-in to be silly. He can even show a bit of the silliness, quirkiness. Maybe that's where Shazam gets it from, right? Like, I, I feel like they could have done they could have done something with his character. Uh, yeah. Anything with his character besides put him on there just to die and transfer his power. Uh, so that was just weird. And also, his name on the credits is just listed as Wizard. And he even mm-hmm. says, say my name to get your power. And I'm like, but you could at least put his name as former Shazam or something in the actual credits. But they only listed him as just being a wizard. And they didn't really care. They didn't care to even kind of um, spend any time on that, which is weird. I really, I, 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 I'd rather you flip the script and, you know, instead of starting it super dark and broody, start with us seeing um, Jamin Hansu and the rest of his family, right? Like actually yeah. having the powers and containing the seven deadly sins, doing all this shit. Like, why not show that side of the story, which is a little bit more entertaining? Maybe it's a little bit more expensive, but definitely more entertaining for an origin story of a character. And like, much like what they did on Power Rangers, the opening of Power Rangers, and less on what they actually did here. Yeah, yeah, and that, that was kind of one of the bad points of it, but also uh, Mark Strong, I mean, we've seen him play this character a million times before, so I guess they were struggling to find a, someone to play the villain, and they looked around and was like, can we get a Mark Strong-type character? <laughs> and they're like, is Mark Strong available? And so he just like walked in, because it looks like, I mean, yeah, they didn't really spend much time developing the bad guy especially with that intro they had uh because he is just a bald guy with glasses in a leather jacket sinestro that's who this character is i was wondering sinestro is actually better no but he Um, had a very similar like not not the actual character sinestro yeah, yeah, yeah yeah how he approached the character of sinestro is the same way he approached this character here and i was like i thought he yeah. was in the movie recently or and they try to before. they try to give him some goofy elements to this character and stuff and it, it felt like i mean his merlin character from the kingsman but just evil that's mm-hmm. the vibe i was getting from it i was like all right you're showing me that like, yeah he's silly like that that whole uh conference room scene when he comes in to talk to his dad after he get after he takes the powers of the seven deadly sins um what was one was kind of violent for this rating of a movie and i mean that's the crazy thing is like we talk about like there's moments in this movie that feel like too excessively violent or too dark for the story they want to tell and there's actually no blood in this movie but it's the it's the imagery it's like these these weird monsters are just coming out of smoke out of mark strong and then all of a sudden you see like a body thrown against glass or thrown out the window and stuff and you're like holy crap and it's like heads being bitten off even though you don't really see the head do anything afterwards you see the action start and it's it seems like just enough especially like a a hero that is kind of designed to appeal to kids and then you have the bad guys just a bad guy you expect from like a hellboy movie yeah it it was weird it didn't quite fit 
it didn't make any, it was weird because it was like there was still these weird wisps or whispers of making a Zack Snyder movie and so they were putting some of these really dark elements on it and they were like no get rid of that script I thought we rewrote that out and yet it still somehow ended up being in the movie it was it didn't really make any sense I, I felt like they could have easily shut up cut away from all the weird uh, violent scenes because we didn't see anything anyway but they still showed us something that definitely wasn't as impactful yeah and i would say the last thing i wanted to add is um i was really hoping to see a black adam cameo in this movie i mean i stayed for after the credits um i i kind of like the cameo we do get because we have this whole thing where freddie is uh, gloating about knowing Shazam and like the bullies at school are like, oh, you don't know Shazam and everything. Um, but uh, by the way, what they do to those bullies' truck is fucking amazing. <laughs> I just love that he just lifts it up and just drops it on the ground. Uh, but I thought it was really cool that uh, Shazam like came to lunch with Freddy and then all of a sudden you see, hey, I, I brought a friend along and it's someone in the Superman suit. We know it's not Henry Cavill, but Superman's there to hang out with Billy uh, with uh, Freddy as well. And so everybody's like, oh my shit. And like, yeah, if you were that kid in high school, you would love, I mean, that moment would make your day and probably make your high school life for until you graduate. Uh, so that was an awesome, fun way to end the movie. Uh, though, I was really hoping that The Rock was going to make a Black Adam appearance because that would have been amazing. They announced his casting like almost six years ago, and he still signed on to do Black Adam. He he executive produced this movie. I thought we were we were at least going to get our first see uh, moment of Black Adam, but we didn't. But hopefully next, hopefully next movie. That's or hopefully the Black Adam movie's coming out. That's all new information. I had no idea. I was like, I don't even know who Black Adam. I'm sitting here Googling who, who he was. I thought it was a racial joke, but... Oh, know. no. <laughs> it's not. Black Adam's a real character. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it looks like a cool character from what I just read just recently. So I'm like, I mean, yeah. having The Rock, even a, a hint that being in this movie would have been great. It definitely would have added more of like the ramping up the cheesiness, ramping up the campiness of the movie. Uh, and changing like the he automatically will add a lot more humor and comedy. I feel like he's basically currently doing the Black Adam and whatever he's doing in the Fast and Furious franchise. So, but as a good guy, I guess. So, oh, uh, I mean, Adam kind of anti-heroish. So he, he's actually not as fun as Shazam. <laughs> oh, damn! But who knows? Rock might have a more interesting take. So. He definitely has to have some humor. I mean, that dude's hilarious. So oh, okay. if they take out the humor in his any of his characters, it'd be it'd be strange. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, anything else, Brylin? Uh No, that's all I had to say on that. Cool, Sean. What you got? I don't know, because pretty much Brylin hit everything you could possibly hit when it comes to <laughs> this movie. Uh, but I mean. Good amount of the points I agree with. Definitely loved uh, Zach Levy's uh, acting ability. I actually did know him first from his uh, role as Chuck in the uh, television series. And I hadn't seen him in anything since, so I didn't know he still acted. Uh, But 
Glad he did. He's basically a superhero version of uh, Tom Hanks in Big, and I think he pulled it off pretty well. Uh, I felt, hitting on a couple things that Ryland hit on, I felt I found myself sort of justifying a lot of things in this movie, like uh, getting into what you were talking about with the sort of dark uh, scenes at the beginning of the movie, that sort of uh, Mark Strong's backstory. Really, I could only see as necessary to show a balance of how hardships and uh, like such deep-rooted problems in childhood could lead one way, while at the same time, the problems that, say, Billy Baxton faced, where being abandoned as a child and whatnot can still lead in a completely different way, and you get your hero and villain from not necessarily the same origin, but both born out of tragedy, yet one is able to persevere while the other is not. Um, that, I mean, goes into that. I personally don't even know why they spent, as I feel they overdeveloped Mark Strong's character. <laughs> Yeah. Because in the grand scheme of things, he's just a husk for the seven deadly sins. Uh, I mean, ultimately, the seven sins were the villain, and they just sort of used him as a tool. So I don't know. Like it, like I said, I just felt myself justifying some of the stuff, but I, in the end, I still felt it was good. I still enjoyed it, and uh, it felt a lot like um, watching some of the original uh, Spider-Man movies that they made where all right, it starts with something dark, but it's a road of self-discovery from a almost a, not necessarily a child per se, but a younger person's uh, point of view, finding their way in the world rather than world building around that character, sort of like uh, go back to Batman Begins, for example, where yeah, it has his origin. Oh, he fell in the cave, and then his pe- and his parents were shot. But then everything after that point is how the world affects him, not how he's discovering how to become Batman. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. Like a yeah, the seven deadly sins, like kind of generic creatures like when it comes to their design and everything but i have to say like one thing they did kind of clever with them i did really like like the resolution to how to beat the bad guy at the end where he just kind of figures it out that oh oh, they're only fighting six at a time where's the seventh one Mm -hmm. and so just like how he just go to pride to come out just like by just berating them and like just saying like oh you're not good enough and everything it's like all the stuff like his dad kind of told him at the beginning we see that dr savant was it savannah's dasani or whatever it's called um savannah i mean he's still not over that stuff that happened to him as a kid and so when pride pulls out of him uh that he just is a human being and just falls right out of the sky i thought that was actually pretty clever yes just going off that, like, uh, Seven Deadly Sins, you hit the nail on the head with, they were just generic. All the characters themselves, like, the only one you could really 
be able to tell apart from the others is Sloth, just because he's a fat dude. <laughs> yeah. uh, but like, other than that, it's hard to say. Oh yeah, that one's pride, and that one's lust. Like, yeah, there's that one that looked like a walking donut. That who knows what that represents? <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't one of them like get away at the end? Uh, no, they all get trapped back into the uh, the tomb. Hmm. Okay. I thought one of them got away, and I was like, what about this one that's going the opposite direction from everybody? <laughs> but I guess I'll have to watch the movie again to figure mm-hmm. out. No. That ain't gonna happen. <laughs> uh, Zachary Levi was actually in uh, Thor Ragnarok, guys. Yeah, he played one of the uh, Warriors 3 after yeah. the uh, person from the first movie didn't come back. I thought it was funny. I was like, oh, I, I feel like I've seen his face. And I was like, oh, he just showed up just to die. Like, yeah. You know, like Hanzu here. Like Jamin Hanzu. So, okay, cool. Uh, Sean, what else you got? Anything else? Uh, like I said, Brylan pretty much hit on everything. So, pretty much everything else I'd have to say would just be to second and agree what he had to say. Fair. Uh, yeah, I know we, we talked about um, a lot of these characters. The only things I did want to kind of mention was, um, and I know we'll get into it, is we find out that Billy Batson was kind of abandoned by his mom. That mm. that entire sequence kind of felt like it was like super rushed. Uh, like It felt like there was like not a lot of focus on parental figures and how they were affecting their children. Although... It seems like they wanted to go that route. Uh, we have, you know, the actress, like, uh, the Vasquez family, right? So we have uh, yeah. Marta Vasquez and I can't remember the, the other guy's name. He's actually – I've seen him in a couple other things before. Uh, Victor Vasquez. Uh, so we have that family and it was how they're, like, trying to, like – force and like talk about all this love and like togetherness and having hands in and all this stuff um it seems a little strange that they didn't really put too much focus or effort to kind of really kind of dive into that uh and they kind of focus more so on billy batson kind of running away and kind of uh not only running away from literally his um uh running away from his sort of like responsibility of like being the hero and stuff, but then also kind of running away literally as like a child, as like a child and doing whatever he wants. So I thought that was a little strange that they didn't put a, a lot of emphasis on the family. And again, they didn't put emphasis on the other surrounding sort of ensemble characters so we can get more buy-in so that we have the big reveal at the end of all of them turning into superheroes. Uh, and so I felt like that sort of moment kind of came out of nowhere and i was like oh but how do they all know how to fight it took this guy like a bunch of days to kind of figure out how to get to fight and do all this flying and superpower and then you guys get it immediately is billy just a dumbass or i don't i'm not i'm not understanding that um so i was kind of i was kind of like taken aback at that at that point which kind of a little weird yeah i mean the way i took it that was that it, it seemed like Shazam, like the main Shazam, encompasses all the powers of like the the wisdom of Solomon and the strength of Hercules and all of that. And it looks like the six others kind of take one of those powers. So we only see superpowered Freddy flying. We only see superpowered Darla running fast. We only see superpowered Pedro being tough and strong. And so that's how I took it. Like they're kind of um, 
they're kind of like extensions of what he can do and not necessarily all powered the same. And so he was just kind of like saying it was kind of just dispersing the powers of Shazam among the other six. And I mean, I, I had no problem with that. Uh, I felt though that the Billy Batson's mom and her story, even though there's not many scenes of it and we only see, get basically two scenes, we see the initial scene of young Billy and her walking through the carnival and everything. And he gets distracted, sees something cool. Then all of a sudden he turns around, his mom is gone and, He's crying, he goes to the cops, and she never shows up. And I thought that was done really well, but I think that scene gets elevated and is absolutely heartbreaking when he finally, we see him tracking down, and like he's even borderline breaking laws to figure out who his mom is, like going to private property and um, and actually get in trouble with the cops and everything because they know, like, hey, you've run away from your foster families like a million times. Why do you keep on doing this? Like, he has a mission. He has a quest. He wants to know what happened to his mom because it, I mean, I think they've set it up really well where it felt like at the beginning, I mean, he wasn't the product of a, neve- a neglectful family. It's just an unhappy, un- unfortunate circumstance. And then when he finally finds his mom and opens the door and she's with some guy that's probably not that kind to her and she steps out and starts talking to him and straight up tells him like, hey, I didn't want you and the cops would probably do a better job of taking care of you than I can because I was 17. I was a kid myself. What the hell do I know about raising a kid? I think those were some really important points to brought up, and it actually um, made me feel really, I mean, really sympathetic for Billy and his circumstance that he had this whole journey, and then what should be at the end, reuniting with his mom, is the saddest part of the journey overall, the whole thing. And it really worked for me, and I thought that that scene was just utterly just like super emotional and super heartbreaking at the same time. And just showing Billy that even though your desire for a specific type of family is not necessarily the one that you were born from, that it's the family that's surrounding you right now and is being there for you right now. And it's that family that you start to choose and create for yourself. Yeah. But it did it like, I guess I'm. I look at it as Billy never wanted to even be a part of this family. That all of a sudden, at the end of the movie, they're now like a, a super, like a happy super family together because they fought together. And um, but it felt like they kind of sort of removed the positive characters in this movie. You know, the Vasquez, you know, parents. They kind of removed them from this movie entirely. Yes, we see that the children sort of fight together and they have, like, this bond and, like, now they have this secret together. But it it just feels like that was kind of missing some components of Billy actually kind of sharing and, like, trying... Although he was going to leave at least attempting to be a part of this family with the positive parental figures kind of showing and doing stuff here. But what was highlighted was the negative parental figures in that entire moment of Billy and how it was affecting him and how he's still sort of hurting from it without 
kind of sharing and actually opening up and talking about his feelings with the people who actually is asking about and asking about his day. Um, and I and I and I can only imagine if it's because it's a movie, right? It's going to have more of a dramatic flair from something of the dramatic, or something that's going to be sad. I, I, I get that. It's just. It's just odd that they choose not to highlight and talk about those characters who are the epitome of the parental figures. They, they're great. They're they're amazing. Um, you don't have to be. You don't have to get superpowers to be a part of a family. But in this movie, it felt like he had to get superpowers, and his other family members get superpowers to be a part of a family. Uh, I, I think that's like a you know it was definitely trending on a bit of a, a negative uh, aspect for me of. I don't know, man. Like, I, you should be able to kind of talk this out, and uh, you should be able to kind of have sort of a relationship all uh, for the people who actually are truly accepting you for whoever you are, whomever you are, superpowered or not. Yeah, I mean, I, I felt. That, oh, go ahead, Sean. Oh, I was just gonna say, I think it's they were trying to portray that you're viewing this from the emotional standpoint that Billy is viewing it. And yeah. the whole thing is him trying to realize what a family is, what a home is. So yeah. all of that is him only then realizing that they are accepting of him, even though they had been accepting of him the entire time. Mm-hmm. So I think it's there, but they expect you to read between the lines way more than you really should have to. Yeah. I mean, like we only get bits of, visual information about the other foster kids aside from Freddie being there and Darla having her moments. But I mean, we, we get enough where we, we see that this is actually a good place and that it's not bad that not all foster homes are going to be nightmare fuel for kids. And Billy's probably seen a bit of both along his way. And I think it's really cool that we see like the dad is, doing cool things for everybody, encouraging the kids to pursue what they want. So Mary is um, Mary uh, is applying for college. She doesn't get accepted, but they're not going to say, that, hey, that's the end of the road. They're definitely parents that look – or foster parents that look like they're going to encourage her to keep on going. Mm-hmm. Um, Darla's five, so she- She's fine. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, we see Pedro like, hey, yeah, chunky, overweight kid, but lifting weights and, like, desiring to actually be stronger and everything. That's fine as well. I mean, what, that's a... That's weird. He picked up the notebook, and we never know why he found Billy's notebook and didn't do anything. Is that strange? No, no, no. They did. Like, oh, he picked up the notebook and the... saw the names, and then he gave it to Eugene. It's like, hey, can we track her down or something? That's oh, how they found his mom. I thought, yeah. I thought and so that. like that's like the first gesture of kindness they do is like and I think that's like also the first moment where we see Billy kind of like say, Oh hey, these people might be actually pretty cool and stuff. And um and then we also, I mean, see that um the mom is actually very doting. They're they're definitely there to they know they may or may not have those kids around for a while and so they want to give them the stability and balance as much as possible. We see them definitely doing that for all the kids and juggling all of them in a really good fashion. And even though Billy can't see it for himself, and we're definitely seeing this movie through Billy's eyes, it definitely speaks to what is there for Billy and his journey is to kind of find and 
find that light bulb of turning it on and say, oh, they're right here for me. That's good. So, I mean, I'm, I'm all good, you know, talking about the characters and the story. And let's move mm-hmm. into talking more about the themes because we already kind of brought it up already with yeah. family and things like that. So uh, I'll toss it to Brylin again. Talk to us and, like, kind of open up this conversation again, talking about the themes in comparison to the comics. Yeah. So, I mean, Shazam has always been, like, this character that deals with uh, foster homes or abandonment and, like... Uh, a kid that felt like he didn't really have anything and is given everything. And for reasons that are kind of mysterious at times, but also fleshed out uh, along the way. And the cool thing that I like, like I, I love Shazam. He's a really cool character. Um, I like Jeff John's run where it actually was all, six of the orphans became Shazam. Yeah. Uh, that was, that was always a really neat take. I thought it was actually like they had to kind of learn how to work together to actually control Shazam as they went around. Um, was that the one when they were, uh, they came together as Captain Thunder or is this prior to that? Um, I, I think it is during the Captain Thunder Okay. Part. So yeah, uh, but then also there like more modern Shazam takes is like Billy Batson is Shazam, and then he has his friends Freddy and stuff like that, and that's what this is kind of based off of because like yeah, we see like Billy's the first one to stand up against the bullies uh, for Freddy when Freddy gets beaten for like the thousandth time at school, and like all the other. Uh, kids that were around him like yeah they would take care of him and help make sure he got like an ice pack for his eye and stuff but they never stand up against the bullies and this is where the relationship of Freddy and Billy becomes so important in the comics is that Billy is the first one to stand up against the bullies and even if he's not as strong or as big as the bullies he's gonna fight the shit out of them because Billy will not take any shit and that's that's one part of Billy I think is kind of missing here is like you can get a little dark and you don't have to be as safe with Billy. You can you could definitely show him punching a dude in the face and um, just going ape shit sometimes because he's been through a rough life. Um, but uh, I did find that for the most part, I mean, the movie was kind of on par with what you would expect from a Shazam story. Like, uh, it's definitely a little bit more lighthearted than your Superman or your Batman. Uh, it's definitely going to also deal with these themes of, um, of finding a family and a foster home, but also uh, child abandonment a lot. So it definitely has this fine line of um, gruesome, hard-boiled reality but also a lot of fun, silly adventure too. And that's all something I've always appreciated about Shazam is it can kind of give you both at the same time. And they always take a little, a lot of care and depth in that. And that's one thing I appreciated about the movie when it did come to these themes of, um, abandonment and a foster home and what a foster home means for kids that they took the time to care about that. And they, it wasn't just window dressing for the most part. Yeah. Uh, Sean. 
So uh, my, as far as the comics go, my experience is more from early Shazam comics back when he was actually Captain Marvel, and they actually had the Marvel family, which was a little bit different rather than all the six kids being one and whatnot. There was like Uncle or Uncle Marvel and uh, Marvel Junior and whatnot, and um, it. So from the beginning, it always does happen to have a focus on family, one way or another, from the origin of Shazam as a pop culture icon. Uh, So it's only fitting that the movie carried that on one way or another. Uh, But one thing that was extremely unique, I felt, uh, with this movie was the way that they also managed to show the point of view of a world that not only has uh, views superheroes in comic books as a as pop culture icons, but one that not only are kids all about this stuff, but they actually exist. They're real people in there, so they actually have real life impacts as well as cultural or pop culture impacts uh like when brylan mentioned earlier about when they're going through the mall and uh zach levy's running away from mark strong and he throws a giant batman uh figure at him and says get him batman and just stuff like that uh that type of world building i think this was i can't even remember another movie that does it let alone does it so well yeah, it felt like they took the criticism and feedback of it felt like they were just basically sitting on like Reddit and like looked at all like the feedback <laughs> and the criticisms of all the stuff that Zack Snyder did on his movies and was like, Oh, in the areas that we're gonna kinda pick fun and kinda make fun of, like let's let's do that. But let's still make it it definitely seems like, and I think we mentioned this before, that they are, they definitely are trying to change the overall feeling and the themes that have been portrayed in these movies. Uh, that, that's one moment, but that's a great moment. But it, like we talked about before, there's going to be a huge shift. I, I guess I'm just nervous about – I don't know too much about the actual story. I, I do know the fact – the only thing I know about Shazam besides his powers – where I thought it was all six kids turned into one. I never knew that it was all six, or you know, six or seven individual kids that are powered. I thought that was I, I didn't know that. Um, yeah, I don't but, know if that's a mod like uh, taken from the comics and more of the modern issues or not. Uh, it's been a while since I read it, but um, yeah, usually it's just all six kids inside of Shazam. Right. Uh, I guess I'm just kind of nervous of it. Like, if they're just deviating entirely, um, and if there was things in this movie that talks about the themes and setting things up for later on, because we talked about how much focus there was on Dr. Savannah, that, you know, Mark Strong's character that we're not entirely sure why, but then with the ending spoiler teaser, he's talking to that little person thing, Caterpillar? Oh, yeah. And if that's supposed to kick off this entirely new sort of storyline, right? And that's why we had, like, if Dr. Savannah is going to be, like, the catalyst of everything that's going to happen after this. I don't know. Uh, but So I can't remember what his name is, but that caterpillar is a 
alien villain from uh, the comic books. Mastermind? Yeah. Oh, okay. So I didn't know if you knew, if you did any research on that. So I was just throwing that out there. I I didn't do any research. I was just guessing. I was th- I meant to say Mega Mind because I saw that movie with Will Ferrell, but Mister Mind, Mister okay. Mind, yeah, <laughs> Mister Mind, oh. like the Pokemon. No, Mister Mind. Wow, man! I I guess I've just read Shazam and Black Adam stories because I'm just like. <laughs> I mean, the, aside, aside from uh, aside from like just like villain of the week type of characters, Black Adam's always been like the big bad that I've read in Shazam comics. Yeah, it was. I mean, it's, it's interesting. You know, I think we talked we talked a bunch about the family abandonment to togetherness. Um, the one thing I was I was a little bit nervous of, and you know, I, we we talked about this before, and I do want to kind of bring it up a little bit, is when the children themselves turn to superpowered individuals. I just want to make sure. Did you guys get a sense of the the kid who was a little bit bigger superhero turned to be a skinny Jack superhero who was very powerful? The kid who was, you know, bound to a wheelchair because of his disease turned to have the ability to kind of fly. And it felt like they were saying, as a child, or how you're kind of realizing yourself is not as good as when you're a superhero. You have these powers, and it's completely better to be a superhero than just be yourself. Did anybody get that sense in this movie at all? Absolutely not, because, I mean, I think they built up the idea of strength of family so much and like the way that Shazam figures it out that it's he can't fight this alone he has to have others with him I think that definitely trumps any type of thing of just like saying oh this person has this type of um this this hurdle in their life. Oh, let's take that away from them and give them their ideal self. I mean, superheroes are about the ideal self. I mean, visually, but I I don't feel I I think one thing that actually goes beyond just like oh these are people just having moments of being their ideal self. So as an escapism, is that they were still acting like themselves in when they were super powered. And I think that goes to great casting because you got a bit of cameos. There's like the one that plays Freddie. I mean, I've heard a lot of people just like gush over him as a cameo, Adam Brody. And I'm like, I don't know who this is. He must've been in some things. I mean, I've heard the name a lot, but I've never seen anything he's been in, but people seem to love him. Um, but I thought he did a fine job as a superpowered Freddy. I thought uh, the actress that played um, a superpowered Mary, she did a great job. And superpowered, yeah, it felt like they didn't. Even, it just felt like they didn't have enough. I felt like they didn't want to highlight all the children, and they only wanted to highlight only a couple of children, which I thought was still so strange. Why they just didn't give like an equal uh, like moment for each child and not stick one of the people just holding up a uh, ferris wheel because of your superpower like i thought that was kind of weird i think it's way a matter of like you have a cast of six kids and that would take a long time 
that's totally what I think the reason was. I don't know. Yeah, but that's, you know, that's all I have for, um, you know, talking about the themes in comparison. So you guys want to talk about the conclusions and final thoughts? Yeah. Uh, So, Brylon, what you got? Uh, So, hey, uh, DC Films, they're they're putting out some great stuff. I mean, we got Wonder Woman, we got Aquaman, we got Shazam now. I mean, any... I mean, you can't really complain about them. You know what? They're doing their thing, and they're having fun doing it, which is the most important thing, which I think is awesome. Um, I'd love to see the next films that they bring out. I still like that they they are keeping with this visual, this difference from Marvel. I'm glad they're not trying to be Marvel movies. I'm still glad that, even though they're pushing their own fun factor, they're still keeping this idea that DC is about a story about gods among men rather than men being exceptional. So I think it's a really good uh, difference maker in the type of film you'll get that will help them still be their own thing and still bring some great movies to us. Yeah. Uh, Sean, what you got? Yep. I completely agree with everything Brylon just said. I think it's, definitely the mark of a step in the right direction for DC films um, I definitely foresee not only the sequel uh, to Shazam being more lighthearted, more not necessarily kid friendly but more open to a larger target audience uh, but I foresee some of their other not necessarily the Joker or anything like that but uh, <laughs> some of their other movies to be along that same wavelength, wavelength along that same ideal. So uh, just keeping the lighter side, and I think that's definitely going to be that's definitely a good thing for the audience and for them from a business standpoint as well. And while I regret paying the money I did to see Hellboy, I am more than willing to pay the money to go see. Shazam in theaters again. Yeah, and also kudos to DC to get James Gunn for Suicide Squad. That gets me excited for that. Oh really? I didn't know that. Wait. Yeah. Suicide Squad again? Yeah. Uh, I mean, they're basically gonna reboot it. They're not caring about a sequel to what was made, and James Gunn is doing it. He's writing and directing. Hilarious. I think that's going to be great. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think, uh, harken off of you guys, it's definitely a step in the right direction. I still don't think they're there yet. Um, I, out of the three of us that's reviewing it, I like this film by far the least. Um, no. But, well, if you've seen Hellboy, this movie makes it, this movie's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I definitely enjoyed some components of it. I do like some of the visual aspect of it, uh, of this film. I, I do enjoy Zachary Levi. I do enjoy a lot of the act, um, actors and some of the humor that they were putting in this movie. Um, I probably would have to even say that I like this movie more than like Aquaman. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, there's definitely parts of it I like yeah. a lot better than Aquaman. Aquaman just has like this exceptional scope of epicness to it. Yeah. The only thing I'm a bit nervous about is their future because there was no reason that the darkness and the brooding elements needed to be in this movie, and yet they put him in there anyway. And this movie is supposed to have been a happy go lucky teenage superhero film. So once shit starts hitting the fan and that some of the stakes starts getting higher and higher. 
I, I feel like they're going to get stuck back. I hope they don't, but I feel like they're going to get stuck back into that way that they have to make this more serious and more darker. And it feels like they're kind of lose their way. So I'd like for them to at least kind of look back at the last couple of films and says, hey, we don't need to do that. We can still have a fun movie. And people, I think also the charming leads definitely add to that, right? Like yeah. um, Jason Momoa and Zachary Levi are definitely the reason why that this movie is going <laughs> to yeah. be charming and people are going to enjoy it. So we will see how that continues and if that continue if that keeps happening. Um, yeah. It's going to be something to, to see. It's interesting because, I mean, I don't know if the, the Joker movie that's coming out is even counted as part of this production release of DC movies. They're Maybe it is. Canon, per se. Yeah. It might be its own separate thing. I mean, if it is connected, fine. Uh, I'm interested to see how they fit it in. But, I mean, they have on their plate, they got a Birds of Prey movie coming out, which a lot of people have a lot of good buzz about. There's uh, Wonder Woman 84 next summer. And then you also have uh, the sequels to Aquaman and the sequels to this are probably right in the pipeline soon. So Hmm. they're doing some good things that are... Getting pe- getting fans excited about their movies. It's really cool. I mean, I'm I mean, I'm pumped. I mean, I'm always down for good cinema. Just make sure that it's not. I mean, we haven't really reviewed a lot of good movies this year. I'm going to throw that out there and be completely honest, 100% <laughs> honest with everybody. And we apologize, but we need to do them so that it saves our audience and listeners money. So we will we will absolutely we will do it for you. We will do it for you, but. Hopefully not another Hellboy. And with, <laughs> and with that, we have in the Down in Front podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks so much for joining. Brylan, where can people find more of your work on the interwebs? Uh, you can find me uh, yelling my name, uh, but instead of getting superpowers, people just write um, inappropriate comments on Twitter at Brylan, B-R-I-L-U-N-D. Uh, you can also find me posting many movie and TV reviews on Instagram at I am Brylin. I recently put up uh, two new ones, one for Deadly Class and one for Love, Death, and Robots. Mm. And Sean, where can people find more of your work on the interwebs? Uh, anywhere that they get podcasts, they should be able to find uh, the one that I put out, uh, the Would It Fly podcast. Uh you can follow us on Twitter for any news updates and releases as well at Would It Fly. Nice. Uh, check out more of our work at downafrontpodcast.com. You're going to have our bios, our video teasers, our last call segments that we're putting out there. We're focused on Game of Thrones for probably a lot. So we're not sorry. We're going to be posting a lot of that shit. So be excited for that. Um, we're actually going to have our other partners. So we have our friends with blends information that talks about wine and food pairings and having fun. Where we have my news music, um, check out our work with, uh, uh, check out our baby podcast. I'm not entirely sure how we're going to call the fear boners, but it's somehow affiliated <laughs> with us. I don't know. We'll baby. call it. A, a baby I podcast. thought we got a group of babies to podcast <laughs> for us. <laughs> the redheaded stepchild with a ginormous beard. Strong uh, right hand. Yeah, exactly. Uh, he actually liked that movie, y'all. So I, it's, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm excited for everybody to check that review out. It's definitely going to come yeah. out soon. Uh, <laughs> Brylan, what are we reviewing next week? 
Uh, oh, Lord, he coming. Thanos. Oh, it's no. the end game. Oh, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> we were almost close. We were out of the, oh, we were almost finished with this podcast. Oh, Lord, he's coming. Yeah, so we have oh, my Aven- gosh. Avengers Endgame. That's going to be epic. That's going to be a long review. So I need to make sure I get a new bottle of wine for that because uh, that's going to be fun. <laughs> We promise that the podcast will be twice as long as the movie. What's up, Sean? I said, I don't know. From what I hear, not a whole lot of people planning on seeing that movie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm not going to see it until May 11th. It's a small indie release. I mean, it'll only be in theaters for a week. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe. We'll see. Uh, Thanks, everybody, for uh, tuning in, and good night.